Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode 35 of season three. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I am Paul LePage. Joining us again in New York City is our awesome producer, Mr. Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex? Good. Enjoyed the week off, not having to watch a Wolves game. They didn't play this weekend, right? I don't remember <laughs> it. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it was busy. Had a, had a busy week. So um, we've got a new guest this week, and it's a slight departure from our usual uh, you know, fan we try and find. So what's cool about doing the podcast is we can see some analytics a little bit and we can see, you know, the majority of our listeners are in the U S we have a decent percentage in the UK. And then there's a few countries that have less than 1% listenership. I know one of those Portugal, and we've always joked that uh, Pedro Neto's mom is the listener in Portugal. Uh, Shout out to Mrs. Neto. Um, But one of those countries is Japan and Believe it or not, Paul has found that listener, and it's Mr. Matthew Silva. He's originally from East Bay in California, and now he's in Totori, Japan. Is that how you say it? That's exactly right. Yeah, Totori. I actually pronounced something right on the first time, guys. This is a miracle. Your Japanese is fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm married to a Korean, so I guess that's close enough, right? Um. Anyways... It's nighttime here, but it is morning where you are at. So good morning, Matthew. How are you? Uh, thank you so much. Still licking my wounds from the weekend, but doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. So we always like when somebody's on the first time to kind of get some background info. So how did you become a Wolves fan? Yeah, so I'm sort of a typical U.S. sort of guy who uh, really did not like soccer and sort of felt that it was a sport that was invented by parents to tire out their children just uh, (laughs) here kick a ball for two hours and I had a friend who uh, was really into the Premier League and so he was trying to get me to watch and due to some other things that had gone on I thought okay I'm gonna give it a try and he's a Tottenham fan and so obviously there's no way I could do that and so I was searching around for a team and I actually looked online to say what team is most like the Oakland Athletics, which uh, (laughs) was my baseball (laughs) team. And actually, what I found at that time had kind of said Everton was sort of like that. But I then stumbled upon Wolves. And with the Portuguese connection, my last name being Silva, they had Fabio Silva on the team. Uh, I I know, Joshua, that you think he shan't return, but... Uh, So he sort of drew me to the team uh, and the Portuguese connection is sort of what got me hooked on them. That's awesome. Oakland A's. That seems about right, Alex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, if only we were like the known for Moneyball, like Brighton is now, maybe we'd be getting better results. (laughs) Yeah, Um, right. Actually, yeah, Brighton Brighton does make sense. Who would be be the Wolves equivalent, you think, of a baseball team right now? It's got to be something underachieving for like right now like i could see a detroit i think we're the detroit tigers (laughs) (laughs) that sounds about right right (laughs) and from what i know it seems like maybe brentford uses the analytics as well a lot so um as far as the ace go but uh yeah and of course i'll just say real quick with my history with wolves you know, being somebody who wasn't exactly into soccer and then 
the first three matches last year was when I first started to watch. And of course the first three matches, all one zero losses to Leicester Spurs and Man U. (laughs) And then in the fourth game in the 74th minute, Wolves finally score a goal against Watford. And of course it's an own goal. So I think it was (laughs) Serralta from Watford was my first favorite Wolves player. And then in the, I think it was the 83rd minute Huang finally scored a goal after five hours and 53 minutes of watching Wolves. I finally saw a Wolves player score a goal. I was so happy. Uh, and then the fifth and sixth games, we scored no goals again. <laughs> how did you stick with Wolves through that, man? That's, that's, that's a rough start. I know the first game that I went to watch Wolves with Houston Wolves. Paul, do you remember that game? Yeah, the Chelsea 5-1, yeah. 5-2. Yeah, was, yeah, I think it was nice. five it was one. Bad. Yeah, it was it was something bad. Yeah, that I was like, oh my god, they're never going to invite me back. And I just remember my wife looking at me like, what happened? I was like, just don't, just don't. So you said your favorite player is Fabio, right? Well, my favorite player was Fabio, but obviously he didn't really factor in much last year and hasn't factored it at all this year. So then, after watching those first three matches, it was the Dama, you know, just seeing somebody who looked like a linebacker for American football playing and just being so fast. But he was so frustrating with, as we all know, (laughs) sort of no end product. So uh, now I would say this year it's been uh, Costa. I just love him. I love Diego. He looks like he just rolled out of bed with his hair and his socks halfway down his legs. But he's just really given so much dedication. And I watched with a friend in the Bay Area and she also loves Diego, but said he, he seems like the type of guy she would never want her husband hanging out with. Uh, you know, <laughs> if her husband called and said he and Diego were heading to Vegas for the weekend, she would not be sleeping for that weekend. So, but I just, I sort of love him. And when he scored that goal against Brentford, I, I don't know if I've ever been so happy in my life for a goal. I know the Jimenez goal against Everton, I think it was last year was big. But having been a new Wolves fan, I didn't have the history with Jimenez. And I know him coming back, Raul coming back. That was big. But the Diego one was just, I was so happy. So what's the different time zones with kickoff times, Matthew? How do you watch? What are you typically doing to to catch the games? Yeah, so through some uh, connections in in the States, I'm able to watch through Peacock. And so I have to use a a VPN and uh, or some some magical way I'm able to watch it. Uh, the kickoffs are depending on the time change because Japan doesn't change time. So they're usually at either 11 p.m. on Saturday or midnight Sunday here. Um, bad. But like that Crystal Palace game was 3.30 in the morning. So I was quite tired that day. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> oh no. No, no, no. Um, so favorite game, was that the one where they first scored? <laughs> My favorite game was probably the Villa uh, last year, Villa away, where Wolves were down 2 nothing, And then, you know, after having seen all of those goals, I think that was in October, after having seen all those goalless games, I think Wolves then score, scored three goals in 15 three minutes goals. with, yeah. uh, I think, Neves capping it off with the winner. That was just absolutely incredible. And especially, you know, Paul, obviously I do not come from, Wolverhampton and don't have quite the the history and so Aston Villa doesn't maybe inspire the same feelings that it does for you but uh, I was so happy for Wolves to get that victory. Oh, that's awesome so you'll need to explain this one to me Matthew 
because my world geography is even worse than my American geography. So with you in Japan and there's rumors of a tour to South Korea, is that close? Is it feasible for you to go and catch the team or are you going 10 hour flight still? No, it's not that long of a flight. And actually, I live, Tsutatori is the smallest, pre prefectures are like states for, for, for the U.S. Uh, so I live in the smallest prefecture, both population and size-wise. But there is actually an airport in a city here called Yonago that has direct flights to Seoul. Um, and at times, before the pandemic, I haven't looked recently, they were very, very cheap at times. So if that's something that I'm you know, able to do, I would definitely want to do because it's certainly closer than a flight over to Wolverhampton, which I do plan to do at some point. Awesome. So you're at the south-south tip. Okay. That makes it a little better. So, Paul, I'm looking at it right now. That is little under a five-hour trip. So, basically, um, you know, New York to California. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. I, th I thought it was like – I thought you guys were like – way farther away I guess, I guess that's the american in me not knowing geography well it's just across depending on where you live we say sea of japan here but it's just across the sea of japan so yeah not too bad gotcha that's a awesome story glad to hear another new wolves fan um you know especially in the dama stand that's always great we stand together <laughs> yeah and i never played also. fifa any of the video games but i often hear you know, you Joshua talk about how how when you were playing that game, you were just who is this Adama? Sort of yeah. the same similar experience. And I want to also just thank you guys because as somebody who you might be shocked to hear this, but there's not a huge wolves following in Satori. Uh, so <laughs> I just every week I always look forward to your guys' podcast. You do such a great job, and it just really keeps me company here. Um, you know, in my fandom. So thank you for all the work that you guys do. I really appreciate it. Uh, we we appreciate it. Paul and Alex are the stars. I just show up and drink and talk. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, let's get to the action here. It was um it was an interesting week. Um, <laughs> you know, started out with the big two nil win over Palace, huge three points that none of us uh, predicted. I have the receipts to prove it. Um, then Saturday. I don't know. I heard there was a game. Uh, uh, whatever. It was 6-0. Okay, Paul, are we going glass half full by getting the three points last week when we were kind of saying and one we'd be okay with? Or is it glass half empty for, oh, my God, what was that abomination on Saturday? I think we can go glass half full still just because Saturday was – so unexpected, so just off the script entirely. I think I can't remember at least two or three occasions of the past few weeks. I've said on the show that at least what we've got going for us is a solid defense, and then that goes and happens. It was just astonishing. Well, now, whether it, it seemed to me like they're on the beach and they kind of gave it up and everything because just to a man they were awful and it was just so out of character for 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 a bunch of them so there's been some crazy results in the premier league this season with with goals going the other way and everything so do you, do you put it down do you just chalk it up to an act like absolutely freak result probably hopefully um i think it'll be a good measure for 
Lopetegui to look at that and think, what the heck happened? And who's going to be in the trenches for me going forwards if this is what they're going to churn out? So hopefully he learns something from it. But right from the get-go, I, I saw the team sheet and I was a little like, well, is he is he being ultra defensive again going away from home? And I looked well, at it initially, work. I thought, <laughs> well, I, I saw it originally. I thought, well, is it a five... Is it a four-five-one, and Neto is going to play wide, and uh, Mateus would be on the right again? And who's going to be that player trying to burst forward and trying to help Costa out? Maybe it's uh, maybe it's one of the other centre midfielders playing a little further forward, like Yo Gomez. But when it rolled out and it was Mateus on the left again, it looked like. Gomez was far right, and then Neto was more accompanying Costa, and then Semedo was pushed forward, and Lamina looked like he was dropping back into right back. It was just like, what what the heck's going on? But it was so weird, and it's kind of forgotten about that we had that chance in literally the first minute. And I was like, Lamina, why didn't he just put his foot through it and shoot? And then after that, it was just a, a or totally downhill, complete car crash. Even that, I think we were 1-0 down when Neto crafted that chance and it got pulled back for Costa getting in that melee, which really should have, if there was no nothing untoward there, should have just let play go on. But from that point onwards, it was just, it was an absolute nightmare. It was horrible to watch. Matthew, what do you prefer? Having your night ruined by a Wolves game like that? Or like us, where we just had the entire, you know, day wiped out. What do you think's worse? I mean, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Because for me, sometimes I can't sleep for one of two reasons. I'm either so excited that Wolves have won, or after that, I'm having nightmares all night. So yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think maybe it's, it's okay, because if I can get to sleep, I can sort of sleep it off and wake up the next day and pretend it was all a dream. (laughs) So Stu from the fan cast had a uh, early no stupid question for us. Paul, I know you said, well, maybe not suitable for work, but we get one F word before it's labeled explicit. So here we go. Uh, when was the last time you were fucked in public, Matthew? Living <laughs> <laughs> here, that happens to me often because my Japanese is very poor. So I often... Uh, <laughs> In Japanese, the word for scary and cute are very similar. So I've had incidences where I've meant to, meant to say that somebody's child is cute, but I've told them that their child is very scary. And so people <laughs> look at me strangely. And and I will say that's the, the most PG rated one I can give you because it's gotten much worse than that with some of the slip ups I've had here. Sometimes for me, if you, you're on the end of a pumping like that was you, you can kind of forget about it here you you take your jersey off no one will no one will notice a thing you can go about the rest of your day and no one will be any other way so yeah today I worked out with a guy uh, who comes from a different location so I don't get to see him all that often but he's a Man United fan and the first oh. thing he said to me is like what the heck happened to Wolves on Saturday? Usually I can, I'm totally fine. I could just shut off and no one will bother me. And that that was the the first one. I was just like, oh no, I want the ground to open up and swallow me whole. It's dreadful. 
that's yeah. that's probably another advantage of being here too is no one is going to ask me about uh wolves my friends when i have worn my wolves hat or shirt they'll say oh i like batman too so i they seem to think that the uh, badge looks like batman <laughs> oh that's awesome all right well that game sucked ass but let's talk about that two nil home win over palace that was a. Uh, Pretty exciting. A little dicey until the end when Neves was able to put it away, Paul. But what were your thoughts on that game? We were, I mean, we were not really expecting any points from that. I think you had said a 1-1 draw and the rest of us had picked against Wolves. So how'd you feel after that one? That was definitely a case of, I think, job done in that he managed to capitalize on the momentum do his best to uh, part the bus somewhat, especially at home. And it was a stellar defensive performance and somewhat of a redemption uh, from between the two games for Jose Sarr with, with his saves. So you, you took the positives of that, that again, the, the way that we're looking to survive for the remainder of the season is to be pretty tight defensively and see if we can nick those wins that way, which which it happened last Tuesday. So it all started off great. Again, our top scorer for the season, own goal, getting it started bright and early. And then even straight after that, I think it was uh, a chance for Cunha from that <clears throat> cross that mm -hmm. came in. And you thought for a moment, oh, okay, we could go on and win this and look good and be, be pretty comfortable. But as it went on, they got a great... Uh, greater grip of the game you'd probably say the first half finish being 50 50 kind of chances wise and possession and everything and unfortunately the second half was one-way traffic really till the till the very end so you, you hang on you you take those results for definite and important three points again we're in a, a better shape with that win than than two draws and if you were coming off a draw against Palace and a draw against Brighton, you'd probably be pretty pleased with yourself. So three points out of those two games, if you erase the scoreline away from Saturday, I think you've got to be pretty content. Yeah, I agree with that. Matthew, what are uh, your thoughts on that? Just last week coming out with three points, that was actually a, a good result. Yeah, that was fantastic. And, you know, I think sometimes when Wolves have scored first, they haven't been able to put in you know, multiple goals. So when that first goal was an own goal, I was hopeful that we would get more goals because we hadn't scored it ourselves first, but it was great to see. And it was also, I agree, the performance from Saw was really great to see, especially after some of his, even, even some of the clean sheets that Wolves have had recently, he hasn't really had to make many saves. So it was great to see him sort of have a good game, the defense and to see us, to see us hold on and pick up those three points was great. Yeah, saw not so good on Saturday. Anytime you make an appearance uh, in and playing out of the back goes wrong, it's never a good day. Um, Jackie Oakley was the best wolf uh, in uh, Saturday's performance. She was on the, the Peacock broadcast, and she was definitely the best for Wolves on Saturday against Brighton. Yeah. Oh, man, there would have been some people just relishing in that, I know. Um. Okay, well... Guys, after getting the three points, I feel like we're safe. I know there's some people that, I mean, they probably wouldn't say we were safe if we were 15 points up right now. 
It's just the way it is. But seven points clear with four games left. And you got Leicester and Leeds and Nine and Forest all with 30 points. Everton with 29. Southampton, I mean, you can put a fork in them. They're at 24 points. But the 6-0 loss did not help our goal differential at minus 21. However, we're still up on Leeds and Nine and Forest. Leeds has 24 minus goal differential. Nine and Forest minus 32. Boy, that was a huge comeback by Brentford. Thank you very much. But, Paul, looking at that, seeing those three points, are you like me where it's like, you know, it may be a little frustrating if we don't get points from here on out, but we should be safe? Yeah, should be in the operative word. I think it was a perfect weekend of results around us that even getting hammered, we, we it was one less game now and we're in effectively a better position because of that, thanks to the results that went on elsewhere. And I think it's when you when you have some of those teams that we we took an absolute thumping, but it wasn't like Leeds going to a venue where they were probably expecting to, well, needing to pick up points, at least a point, and getting hammered like a team against Bournemouth, like they did against Bournemouth. So I I think we're... I think we're going to be be pretty fine after the to the outcome of today's game. I stuck all of the results in mm-hmm. one of the predictors out there. I didn't really bother with um, I didn't really bother with goals and everything. I was finishing thirteenth on forty one points, so I see a win and a draw someplace. Yeah, I think um, that's pretty fair. I've got Southampton, Everton, and Leeds going down. So. Oh, you have Leeds going down. That's interesting. Yeah. And again, like if they're talking about getting rid of their their coach that they just yeah. got in, it's just some teams are just in a in in that downward spiral. I think Leeds are probably that team. And uh I think I think Everton haven't shown anything to uh to suggest they could put a run together to to scrape themselves out of it either. So to that point, if I just wanted to chime in. It makes me feel so lucky that in that period when we were all complaining that Wolves didn't sign like Beal or any of these other guys, because I feel like we could have been in that situation where we would be on our third or fourth manager at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause we kind of are on our third really. Right. Yeah. Like, so if they would have signed someone who clearly doesn't pan out, I'm not saying we would have, I don't know if Beal would or wouldn't have, but it hasn't been great since. Right. So um, man, we're really lucky that we held out for Lopetegui. Jeff, she, what a guy. Never doubted it. <laughs> <laughs> never, never in doubt. Never in doubt. <laughs> yeah, Matthew, I mean, this is why I feel some people that are still like, oh my God, we're going to get relegated. It's like, they're they're not really, they're just looking at our points. They're not looking at the teams beneath us. And you're essentially asking Leeds and Nottingham Forest to win three of their last four games and they each only have seven games that they've won each. Like, it's just, come on guys, use your, use your common sense. I get math wise, like, Oh, there is a possibility. The amount of shit that would have to happen for us to go down would just be at that point. We're just, you know, we're destined for it. Right. I mean, being an Oakland A fan and watching a bunch of series where they were up two nothing in a five game series just collapse. Uh, anything's possible, but 
<laughs> yeah, and I understand the worry just because Wolves have been so inconsistent. And that's what's been so frustrating is you get that Crystal Palace and you get Brighton. And it's happened throughout the year. We've had a great performance followed by a bad one. But I think the thing that is maybe our saving grace is just how bad the teams below us have been. And even throughout all this inconsistency, we've pretty much, since we've gotten into that 13, 14 range, we've pretty much kept the same distance of points between us and the bottom because of the poor performance. Even last week, um, with Nottingham Forest, or this week with Nottingham Forest losing, Leeds losing, um, you know, Everton getting a draw. There was still not a lot of points gained there below us. I think I saw a stat this afternoon, something along the lines of there were, for the bottom five teams in April, there were 32 games in total, and that bottom five only won three of them. So that does put it into context when you've yeah. got, to close out this season that it, it's got to be something crazy by two of them. And yeah, I think, I think it's, it will be okay. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it would be, I, I'd be feeling a little dicey if we hadn't gotten those three points from crystal palace. Um, however, I even feel like without those three points, we would still be able to, to hang on. Um, but those, I mean, those were three huge points, Paul. I mean, that yeah, was, yeah, that was huge. That's why, as as disappointing as losing six nil on Saturday is, you can go well. That sucked, but you know, at least we still had a successful week. I think that was the relief showing in Lopetegui's celebration when Neves scored the penalty. It was looking to the heavens, and the the fists were pumping, and you could tell from that how much it meant in the grand scheme of things about staying up. So, um. I, I think a, a lot came down to, to that particular game to solidify us in the league. So one thing that probably needs to be discussed after Saturday's game, and I saw Stu on FanCast, um, he kind of hinted at it, and he said, you know, here's here's what the lineup needs to be probably going forward and feelings be damned, especially of one particular person. And he had Nevis not in the starting 11 and I get it. And I, I brought it to him. I said, wins. How often does it happen that really your, your most talent, your best player may also be your least valuable, Paul. It's, a, it's, it's weird. weird. It's a weird situation. It is. It's, it, it's a weird situation based on the, the profile of the other players in the squad and the, lineup of the team and the, the the formations that he's looking to roll out because pretty much for his entire career <clears throat> Neves has been that player smack bang in the, the middle of a, of the midfield that's either in a two or, or in a three that he's had that one specific job to do and the players either side of him in the, in the midfield or the wing backs that's where the, the impact of the game that it's been able to have. He can he could carry on and pretty much play his, his natural game as much as possible. Now that is obviously it's turned down since the championship year because you've seen his increase in mould and transformation into a definitive defensive midfielder. Now in a Lopetegui formation is their scope for that type or that profile of player, Neves or 
Rodri at Man City or whomever. I don't think there is. I don't think that's the way that he necessarily wants to play. And I do think that's why they they generally went out and made such a push and a grab to get Gomez because it seems to me that he's the heir apparent in the Neves role, but it's going to bring a slightly different dynamic in terms of his mobility across the midfield. How do you feel about it, Matthew? Yeah, it's that's it's really difficult for me because being a you know real sort of soccer neophyte, I don't have the the knowledge of formations and tactics, and so I can just go by what I've seen. I also don't have the history with even though I do love Nevis, I don't have the history with him that the other Wolves fans have. Who you know having him brought Wolves back up into the Premier League, and just seeing the results that they had without him in there, um, but with my with my sort of undying loyalty it, it is hard just just naturally it is hard to think of of benching someone who has given you know such service to the club and who might be leaving as well and I just I don't know the particulars well enough to know how that might impact his leaving whether it drops his value or um, any any of those things that might be further considerations and I know the first consideration is winning and staying up so whatever would be best is what they have to do Paul, I think these games were just further proof, kind of something we talked about last week, that him and Nunes, him and Matthias just can't play together. It's just they That's, don't fit. They, they don't. I think individually put them into different teams or put them into different formations, they, they're going to thrive. And I think that's what's so frustrating for me about the Nunes signing in particular and what we've seen from him as a body of work over the course of the season, there's been some parts that he's looked absolutely fantastic. I, I go back to that first half away at Tottenham, right at the very start of the season, the large, he was head and shoulders the best player and in, 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 in both of those two teams in that first half. And I was rubbing my hands together thinking, finally, we've got that missing piece of the midfield jigsaw is going to be fantastic. But is it just a combination of circumstance that the, the the chopping and changing, settling in a new league, all of what goes on to it that we've only seen it in fits and starts? I'm convinced that there's a player in there beyond the shadow of a doubt, but I can't put him in this formation effectively, consistently to, to get good performances out of him. And never mind the combination of players that he would need around him. If he's going to play a preferred position in the center of midfield, who goes next to him in order to solidify them as a two. I don't think he, I don't think he can do it as a double pivot in a, in a six two defensive midfielders. We've, we've seen nothing of him more advanced as a 10 and the only flashes of, of being from that right-hand side in, in the past few weeks. So where he fits in moving forwards, who knows? He's just such a frustrating player, Matthias. Yeah. And he was just so horrible against Brighton. And he just sort of yeah. encapsulates the whole season of just how inconsistent Wolves have been and how inconsistent he has been. And it's just, it's it's really hard to know what, what the situation, you know, one week I'm just saying, God, I hope they can sell him for a and move on and and the next week you know you hope he stays it's just really difficult yeah it really is paul what 
what would you like to see the midfield then look like for these last four games? I'd like to, I'd like to see a more, it goes two ways. I'd like to see a more um, definitive 4-4-2 where he's got some type of wing on the left-hand side, be it Neto or Wang. And then on the right, there's scope for Nunes to play and potentially tuck in a little bit if, the attack goes down the left. Um, so that's one area that I'd like. Again, because we, we're still going around in circles that it's been about chance creation and goal scored and nothing what we've done, regardless of coach coaching throughout this season, has resulted in dominating the team and lots and lots of shots and the ball hitting the back of the net. So that factors into it. So... If you extend that out, maybe I'd like to see a definitive uh, four-two-three-one, but I'm still struggling to to see who that either attacking midfield or number ten is in in the centre. Mm-hmm. Um, people often say, "Oh, it should be Cunha or it should be Sarabia." I think to myself, "Well, if that was the case, we'd we'd have seen it by now." Or he'd think he'd look at those two players and think it's a formation he can play because he's got two potentially two players that can take that role up I still think it's a a position that we're missing in its entirety to have a genuine attacking midfielder um so I I'd like to see see through those two and, and at least try and get somewhat square pegs into square holes to to finish out the season what do you think, Matthew? What would you like to see the that midfield look like from here on out? I mean, I, I would like to see, you know, Jao get get some more time in there. And, you know, I do like it when it is sort of, you know, with Mateus and Jao and Lamina and someone else in there. But yeah, that's that's sort of the way I, I would like to see Jao be in there uh, a little bit more um, consistently. So if that is, you know, Neves sitting out or whoever, but. Speaking of Jao Gomez, did you guys see his interview uh, last week um, on the Wolves' uh, social media channels? Um, obviously, he's still learning English, so it was uh, translated from Portuguese. But um, he said, you know, he was debating offers between two clubs, but um, the free Jao Gomez campaign made a huge difference. Uh, so, Paul, do I have every right to um, claim a big credit for that? I think you could take the the American side of it, but it it did start <laughs> closer to uh, closer to Wolverhampton, I think originally. <laughs> I'm still partially taking credit for this, not for starting it, but at least carrying it on. Especially on uh, Alex, do you think that's fair? I I think it's fair. Yeah, um, you can get a a percentage of whatever the free Joe Gomez <laughs> movement uh, brings us. I'll take 5%. That's fair. But Alex is like, no, no, oh, you said no, that's I, fair. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was looking through, I went through and looked at all my memes. I was like, man, I was on point there. You stuff. tweet a lot. So like, you, <laughs> so when you're on something, um, you know, there's volume, uh, you're a volume <laughs> shooter. Yeah, sorry for all the Wolves fans that followed me and I was tweeting about the NFL draft this weekend. That was uh, uh, a lot there. 
Um, Matthew, did you are you on Twitter? Did you participate in the free Jail Gomez campaign? I am not on Twitter, and I didn't participate. But I am so happy that he is here, and I think it's such a great story. And that Southampton game was my favorite this year. That was just I, fantastic, yeah. and with him coming in and scoring that winner, that was just great. And so, thank you for all of your hard work on getting him here. <laughs> thank you to Meme Generator. <laughs> I also said Danny. Danny from Baltimore needs credit too. He needs a lot of credit. I feel like we we were helping carry the U.S. side of it. Definitely the U.K. side was all balls to the wall, but I feel like I did my part. Did my part. And yeah, it was a worldwide it. effort. It was. It was a worldwide effort. saw the worldwide, worldwide love effort. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely showed him a whole lot of love, Paul. That's right. <laughs> so one other thing. I thought this was interesting. You mentioned – Diego Costa, how your friends said that you would not want him uh, going to Vegas, right? You would not, she'd be worried about it, right? So here's my question. Has everybody seen The Hangover? Alex? Yes, Paul? yes of course. Okay. So we're going to say the, the four characters, the four main characters and who they would be. So the first one is... Um, well, which one would Diego Costa be? Because he has to be in there. Is he going to be Phil, which is Bradley Cooper, Alan, which was, of course, Jack Galifianakis, Stu, who is Ed Helms, or Doug, who get who got locked on the roof? Who do you think Diego Costa is, and why is it Phil? It's got to be <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Paul, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, that, that writes itself. <laughs> okay, so then the next one, who is Doug? Matthew, I'll let you start out. Who do you think Doug is? He's the guy whose bachelor party it is, and then he gets stuck on the roof, and everybody's searching for him for a couple days. Oh, my gosh. Bachelor party, he's stuck on the roof. First of all, I do want to say, I mean, I, I, I agree with the Costa call. I also might just throw, he might be, uh, after that introduction video, he might be Mike Tyson with the tiger. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this is a good call, but I might have Doug. I mean, I, it might be Matinho. I don't know. I feel like he was sort of the, the mildest of the characters, so, so maybe Matinho, but I, I don't think that's a good call. I'm going, for, I'm going for Samedo because he's here one minute, then goes missing the next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Alex, what do you think? I was gonna say uh, special K because he's got he's missing through the whole thing. He you know <laughs> he makes a a quick cameo at the beginning and then he's just never to be seen again for the rest of the film. Um, and he's got that precious like kind of innocent feel to him. <laughs> See, I thought it was Max Kilman to me. I don't know. I just got Max Kilman vibes, but I like you guys' choices way better. I think. Yeah. Okay, who is uh, who is Stu? This could be a little bit of a hard one. The the straight cut guy who goes wild when he has some alcohol in him. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of who this might be. Like, I I I, I want to say Huang, but oh. <laughs> I don't know. I can see because I just. Huang looks kind of clean cut, but I know he can really he can really throw down a little bit. But again, that's not. Uh, I apologize. My hangover knowledge isn't as good as it should be. It's uh, been a little <laughs> bit since I've seen the film, but yeah. 
Paul, who do you think? Yeah, this one, this one's kind of a a, a tough one because it's not one of your more uh, outgoing types of players. Yet it's not one who who seems typically reserved. So I think I'd go uh, I'd go a little left field and say Craig Dawson. That oh, that's a good, great one. <laughs> look, yeah, yeah, you know, doesn't doesn't come across as, as being a troublemaker or anything like that, but. Yeah, all of a sudden when the drinks start flowing, he's uh he's in the thick of it. Oh, I'd love that's a great pick. Alex, do you have one to beat that one? No, that was gonna be mine. That's that's definitely that's a great call. Um I could also see him like waking up like that scene where it's like his point of view. <laughs> like Craig Doss, like messy hair, like got <laughs> a tattoo, like all this stuff, you know. <laughs> definitely. And then the t- uh, probably the toughest one. Who is Allen? What do you think, Matthew? He might. Yeah, my. Oh, I'm really, I'm really failing on this. I apologize, because because my. Hey, I actually, did this because of you. It was your idea, kind of. But my, you know, actually, again, my my. But this is mostly just based on sort of the 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 wild hair and 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 beard and lips was going to be uh, Diego. He was going to kind of be my my Allen. So I'll, I'll stick with that. Okay. Paul, on, it's got to that be somebody theme. that's socially awkward. Well, I think I'm, I'm verging more on the, the craziness and going with the hair and the beard and saying Jose saw. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Alex? Um, Man, that's tough. You know, I feel like I don't know too much about this person as a guy. Um, but I know he does some weird stuff on the field. So his brain must be unique. How about Daniel Podence? I was going <laughs> to say Podence. Yeah, I was going to say Podence. Yeah. I feel like so many players have such like big characters that they almost can't be him. Like they're not awkward and like outlandish enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I can see Podence as that guy that just says stuff that you're just like, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. So so it seems like for the most part, the best choices were um, Diego Costa as Phil, uh, Potence as Alan, um, Craig Dawson as Stu. And then I really like Semedo as Doug. I think that was a good Semedo or, or <laughs> okay. Yeah, that probably, was a great some, call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are good ones. Thanks is, for that uh, is, idea. <laughs> is Aiden Nori um, the guy uh, that gets locked in the trunk um, that comes out? Oh, he's, he's 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 the other Doug. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Aiden Nori might be Mister Chow. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, I was see. I was almost thinking of Aiden Nori or him as this you know for the character who sort of just disappears because they've been you know missing in action and where have they been for the last four weeks yeah i could see eight nuri as as doug as well there's several several good choices for doug there i can't wait till that story comes out whatever it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever eight nuri story is it's gonna be it's gonna be really (laughs) enlightening when we hear it do you think he even gets invited to lunch right now like when they go, or is he just like standing in the rain outside with a sad little umbrella? 
I just yeah. see him showing up in disguise as the waiter, just trying to be a part of it in some way. Do they get a clean sheet lunch for the Palace game, even though they probably so, didn't have time to sneak that in before surrendering six goals to break? So, yeah, I wondered that as well. Um, if they snuck it in, great. But if not, there's no way he would. <laughs> He's like, screw you guys. I'm not taking you out Brazilian steak today. <laughs> Joshua, that's one of my favorite segments on the show when they have the clean sheet are we able to after the disappointment with brighton are we still able to do the uh clean yeah, sheet do. dinner and who gets to choose yeah yeah absolutely we'll do we'll do that for the crystal palace okay who uh who gets to order first during the crystal palace game for for me, I'm having Diego order first because he ran so much during that game. He would probably be the first one to show up at the dinner. So I got Diego. I also love him getting the yellow card for just booting the ball into the stands. So I have uh, I have Diego ordering first on this one. Paul? Uh, I've got Jose Saw, I think, that solidified that, uh, that clean sheet and gave him a pat on the back for a change. And Alex, yeah. what do you think? No, I'll, I'll go with Saw as well. That was definitely a, a performance to hush the doubters a little bit. Who uh, who gets to uh, order appetizers for the table, Matthew? Yeah, so for that, I was kind of cheating. I was going to go Dawson gets to choose one app and then Saw gets to choose the other because I kind of wanted to reward both of them for that defensive performance. I thought Dawson was just incredible during that match. Yeah, he was. Paul? Yeah, so that's a really good show. Again, good to keep it within the defense, but I'll go for Neves taking captain's responsibility for the team, putting that penalty away when the pressure was on. Ruben gets that job. Alex? Um I'll go with uh I'll go with Diego for that one. I didn't think we'd get 89 uh, midweek minutes and him constantly I running, know, that was crazy. Uh, as Matthew uh, mentioned, uh, out of him having just played at the weekend. So um, for that, I think he gets he gets my nod. So for the second dessert, I would have said saw. What do you say, Matthew? So for two desserts, I'm going with Neves on that one. He gets that first dessert for the delivery on the corner that, that led to the own goal. And then he gets a second dessert for that PK to seal it up. Yeah, that corner was was finally all. <laughs> second dessert. I'm going Neto for coming on and getting clattered to win the penalty. I think he can he can enjoy that while nursing a sore leg. <laughs> and Alex. I'll go with Neves because I didn't mention him yet. And he was great. And he also ran a ton. And am I right to say that he's still perfect on penalties in his career in the Premier League, at least? Yeah, because I think the only miss was um, in the FA Cup, right? Yeah. Or was it the Carabao Cup? It was one of those cups. Not that we yeah, win many of them. but Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I definitely had a sneaky feeling that that one wasn't going to go in. By the way, I love Wolves Twitter had posted the video of Craig Dawson dragging Neto back into the box. But he's like, <laughs> for that alone, he deserves he deserves some special mention for the lunch for sure. He does deserve special mention, especially for that performance flying into the air in the roll after that, after coming into contact with the keeper. That was just incredible job there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. One other thing, uh, Wolves Twitter was very excited about Fabio Silva scoring the win winning penalty in PSV's uh, cup title win over Ajax. Uh, he took off his shirt, ran around. He had his tattoo and abs. Um, you know, Matthew, you said you're a Silva guy. Where do you th where do you stand on the fence? Do you think he's coming back? Oh, I mean, he has to come back, in my opinion. Uh, especially since, and and I'm also obviously going to be on board for Diego coming back as well. But especially with a lot of moves that look like might happen. Uh, in the off season, I think I think he we definitely need to have him here for some striking force. Paul, does this change at all? I'm I'm of the opinion that if if he gets backed, if it's between him and Sasa, for example, and even the John Percy article last week talked to Sasa potentially having a role in this team next season that you you tend to see with some credibility. I'd be pretty much fine if my forward line was uh, Fabio, Sasa, Cunha, and then one more. And then I'm thinking the one more. I'd like to see some significant funds probably invested into a, a player, maybe from the championship or of a young enough profile that would be happy with that place on the bench to start with. But knowing that they got the potential to develop and come on and challenge challenge to start, if that was my four attackers going into next season, as long as that profile of that that fourth guy is is what it needs to be, I think I'd be pretty okay with that. My question is, would Fabio be okay not being a guaranteed starter every week? I think I again the, this formation or probably Lopetegui's lineups if he's been shown anything is that two up top works mm -hmm. now if if Fabio is the nine and it's a more definitive 4-4-2 with Kalajniks next to him that can win the ball and and what have you or if it's Cunha playing slightly deeper I think there's even the the four striker could be a totally different profile of attacker like a a quicker forward quicker smaller forward that plays on the last defender and Fabio is that one that works a line runs between the line and drops a little deeper I could see that happening as well so I I think he'd, he'd be okay at his age and the experience that he's had at this point to say you you're going to be in and around the starting 11 next season and again to clarify I don't want to lose Fabio. I'd love if he was on the team. I just think he's going to, him and Mendez will kind of force his way up. That's what I think. Well, so, guys, we took it. Joshua, we took do a, you still think he won't be back? I still think he won't be back. Yeah. I, I think he'll force a move out um, because of the fact that if, if maybe if Cunha wasn't here, he'd be more willing. But um, I think he's enjoying life over in the Netherlands. I think I think that's going to play a big part in it. He's a young guy. He's got this Fabio hair. He's ripped. He don't want to come to Wolverhampton. Yeah. And well, I mean, Paul had to come to the U.S. to find a, a, a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wolves people. I'm sure there are plenty of attractive females in Wolverhampton. How else can you produce something so majestic as Paul? <laughs> 
God, they're never going to invite me over. Well, guys, we 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 kept it. Uh, we managed to have some fun, even though there was such a crappy result on Saturday. So I hope everybody uh, enjoyed that. Whole Lot of Wolves is self-funded. So if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelotofwolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves. Well, guys, we got another big one coming up on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. We're going against Aston Villa. And here to help us again get a nice little preview of this rivalry game, Mr. Paul Matty from Space City Lions Supporter Club in Houston. How's it going, Paul? Hey, it's going well. Nice, uh, nice to see you guys again. See a bit of the old gold. <laughs> it takes me back to my childhood. So, Paul, it's been some turnaround for the Villa since dispensing with the services of Gerard Post-World Cup. What's your ceiling for this season and the potential for it to be exceeded into the next one with Unai Emery at the helm? Yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah, a lot of Villa fans got rather annoyed with the whole um, Stephen Gerrard reign, so to speak. I mean, he just didn't get the club. And you could see he had no plan B, really not a good manager. Um, but, you know, in the press, we kept getting like pillories with people saying, oh, you can't do any better than that. Well, we clearly can. We've got, <laughs> we've got Uncle Unai in charge now. And he's, uh, he's I mean, it, the turnaround's been quite dramatic. I mean, you know, we've gone bombing up the league and uh, just <laughs> winning games for fun and, and, a, and a very... Um, for the most part, in a very pragmatic uh, manner as well, you know, just sort of really just grinding out the results and not doing any more than we have to. But but the main thing is you look at the players and you can see there's a plan, you know, which is which is all we really wanted, you know, just to you know after after the Gerard year, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a very uh, happy season once we once we get rid of Slippy G. Uh, Paul, I I find that I find myself comparing Wolves to Villa quite a bit, um, and I'm curious what you think in terms of the quality of the players that the club has been buying recently. Like, do Villa fans consider Wolves to be beneath them? Like, I know they are significantly in the table, um, or am I crazy to think that one they're kind of a similar level of club, and one has just been really well managed and kind of just performing up to the expectation of those players. Man, Alex is trying to start a fight here, Paul. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting. I ch- talked to my um, my mom and, you know, historically, you know, during the 50s, Wolves were obviously, uh, you know, performing a lot better than the Villa. I mean, from my standpoint, it's, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think the the British press seems to just completely ignore the Midlands. So I just, you know... When I when I was a kid, everyone was either a Villa fan or a Wolves fan. So I, you know, I can kind of see there's, uh, uh, you know, I, I like it when any of the Midlands teams do well. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, I hope Forest and Leicester stay up. I, I, you know, and it's good to see Wolves doing well. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how you judge, uh, you know, the relative sizes, but. 
can't, can't be that much to pick between them, I wouldn't have thought. Villa's probably got a bigger stadium, perhaps a, perhaps a little more history, but reformed at the same time. I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't look at it in those terms, I suppose. I think that's where uh, we look at Twitter and we see them going back and forth, going small club, small club. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, Villa are clearly a you know big club, sleeping giant, bloody, bloody, blah. But you know, I think if you look at the Premiership now, you know, there's no reason any team that's run well can't compete. You know, that that's the reality of it. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh... With Saturday's game being an away game for you guys, what do you think uh, the likely lineup is for Villa and what kind of shape are we anticipating? I, I can pretty much tell you what the lineup will be. I mean, Villa, uh, Villa are down to bare bones. I mean, the the they, they start you know, against Man United on isn't it Sunday. I'm losing track of my days. They look they look leggy. I mean, they look like a team that played a lot of games in April. Um you know, so it'll it'll be an unchanged lineup, um, almost certainly. You'll have a, uh, you know, young Moreno as the, the wing backs, uh, Mings and Cons are the centre backs, Martin is in goal. There'll be um Louise and um Dendonka will be the d- double pivot, and you'll have oh, Dendonka. Ramsey Ramsey, yeah, <laughs> of course you know him. Ram and then Ramsey on the left, McGinn on the right, and Watkins through the middle. I mean, and uh, but most Villa fans will be really keeping the the Emery doesn't seem to do a lot on um saying when players are expected back, but we've got a quarter of um we got Bailey, Coutinho, um Cash, and also um Kamara. Who are all meant to be close to fitness, so full fitness. So if any of those, if if you know a couple of those can come back, that might make a that might help us out quite a bit. See, this is where I know it's been a long season, guys, because I feel it feels like years since I've heard the name Dendonker. Yet he started <laughs> for Wolves, or no, he was on the on the at least the the um the first game he came off the bench like that just blows my mind it feels like three years ago since i've heard that Duber's name yeah they um what um it, it seemed like gerard didn't fancy him but um neither did joshua with, buckley with, with camara being out i think they've just you know that they've just put him in a role where he's uh you know just breaking up the play. I mean, that's, you know, not doing anything spectacular. And the other thing that's nice about it, I mean, it does add a little extra height to our team. We're a very, um, we're a very short team. So that's certainly a help. So um, Paul, it, it may not be the biggest event in England on Saturday. So <laughs> do you think Prince William's going to be tuning in to watch or will he be distract, distracted looking at his phone? For the result, with all the celebrations going on for his dad's coronation, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I mean you, the interesting thing, I mean, you know, as a Villa fan, you, you probably don't, you obviously don't, probably don't see this, but he he shows up at the Villa training ground a lot. I mean, he is very, he's not just one of these, uh, he's not just a flag waver. He is definitely, you know, in it for the long haul, which is kind of. 
impressive, you know. Um, so <laughs> in answer to your question, yeah, he's going to be checking his phone. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that I'm pretty sure, you know. <laughs> You know, definitely, definitely interested. Awesome. Brilliant, Paul. Thanks for hopping on. Always appreciate you uh, making the time for us. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So thanks again to Paul Maddy for giving us his lowdown on Aston Villa. Um, Boy, that was a loaded question you asked him, Alex, about the small club, big club thing. <laughs> I it was more about not like the perception of the club, but like their their team does not look better than ours, but they're pushing for Europe. You know, like the the guys that we're buying and the guys that they're buying, there's not a class difference, I don't think. You know what's interesting? Anything, this reminds we're me quality, but yeah, this this reminds me um of the year where wolves got um, what was it? The the second year we finished seventh, and Aston Villa had to get a result on the last day to keep from being relegated. And now it's like flipped. It's very interesting. And again, then you could have said, I mean, they had Grealish on that team, so it's not like they I were. Lacking for, I think for me, it's it's a reflection of the this season that you've got the you got the top six, and and now Newcastle's forced their way into it. So top mm-hmm. seven effectively. So from from seven, and it'll probably turn out to be from seven to fifteenth. I think you could look at all of those clubs, and you could say you could jumble around the order of those in the season. And if it was any different, you'd probably say, "Oh yeah, fair enough." And they're they're all of a, a similar profile in terms of either size, stature, or or playing playing style and performance like last season it was West Ham who did well and got the European berth and now they're struggling Villa could have a finish out this season great make Europe and and struggle next season um like we struggled this so I, I you've just got so much I suppose mediocrity within these <laughs> mid-level teams that you, you can have a bad season as easy as you can have a good one the difference feels like to me they have a goal scorer. Like True. Wolves would be a yeah. Ollie Watkins going on a scoring run away from probably being, you know, at the bottom part of the top ten, man, ninth yeah. place finish or something like that. Like it's not yeah. that gap is smaller to me than the gap between Wolves quality and like the teams that will be relegated. But I agree. I'm also maybe being an optimist. I don't know. No, no, I think that's a great point. Absolutely. Uh, well, real quick, we'll kind of go over this. I know we've, we've already talked a little bit about lineup wise, but, um, overall, Matthew, what type of changes do you see being made from that Brighton game? Uh, I would like to see, you know, Cunha come back in, uh, to the start. And so that would, that would be the big thing. I was a little bit surprised with that lineup, uh, against Brighton. Um, and so, you know, and I'm hopeful, obviously we're going to be, uh, it's going to be a home match. So hopefully, you know, we'll be a little bit more uh, on the front foot and a little bit less uh, with a defensive formation to set up there. How about you, Paul? What do you think lineup wise you'd like to see? Cunha seems like a good idea. Yeah, I I think um, it may be a little too adventurous to go to a four two three one. Um, so I would like to see a, a slightly more solid 
442, Cunha coming back in. That left hand side, I'd probably be inclined to keep Neto there. And then uh, Mateus on the right again, but it could, it could go a bunch of different ways uh, after Saturday. Depends on how much he wants to bring the, the hammer down on him, who he's got in his mind of being there next season. I think we may see that start to factor in some of these lineups as we close out the season. Any chance we see Raul or Aitnori on the bench, potentially, or just are they going to be left off the squad from think, here on out, Matthew or Paul? Paul, go ahead. I think after after Saturday, everyone should be fair game, really. So certainly, Costa didn't pull up any trees on on Saturday to say that he's got uh, he, he's got a guaranteed uh, shirt for the for the following week, but. Can someone come in from the cold as much as Raul seems to be frozen? I'm I'm not sure. So if he's coming in even even to the bench, who's dropping out? Is it does it go back to Podence being the odd man out that he's starting on the bench, hasn't done nothing? So does he, he does he even warrant that berth? Yeah, that would be my question too with him. And I wonder if you do bring him back onto the bench because I, because I would, lo- I mean, I, I feel you have to work him in for that Everton game to just get him on the field there to let the the fans say goodbye if this is going to be it for him. So you know, maybe you kind of have him on the bench this week or maybe next week. But that's just the the Raul one. I guess I understand, but the Aidenori is just such a mystery to me. And I really like him as a player, and I would like to see him get back in the squad. Uh, I like your suggestion, Joshua, that maybe he, uh, you know, might have a child on the way and that's what's gotten him sort of relegated to the bench, but it's been a mystery. (laughs) Yeah, right. Child with who? Hmm. Well, guys, uh, there were two games last week and we got a combined zero points into predictions. So solid job all the way around. Um, Looking at the standing still, the guest spot with 28. And Michael Moser and I were kind of looking it over. Danny and Teddy have been the the real ones carrying the the load there. So good job for them. I've got 23. Alex, you're still got a four-point cushion on Paul with 21. And then Paul, it's it's getting rough, man. You're four back with four to go. Uh so let's see. Matthew, you started off. What's your prediction against the villa? All right, I'm gonna be very positive. I'm gonna say we're gonna get a two-one win here. And yeah, so that's my that's my prediction. I got a lot of pressure here with the guest spot doing well. So uh, yeah. hopefully we can keep that going. But I'm going two one wolf. Okay, Alex. It's been a fortress at Molyneux at home uh, recently under Lopetegui. They're going to be angry. I think they come out revved up already for a one one draw. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as I mentioned, we're chatting with Paul. It's it's really hard to look past a, a draw when it's a derby. If Alex is going one each, I'll say that there's a little excitement. There's some attacking intent, and it's a 2-2 two, two draw. Two draw. Man, I was going to go a draw, too, but that's no fun. Let's see. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? Every time I predict them to lose, they come around. So here we go. One nil Villa. (laughs) 
I like the excitement that's like, yes, <laughs> I've got a comfortable <laughs> enough lead on Alex that I can, uh, well, no, maybe not, but that's okay. That's okay. It's for the greater good. Yes, Matthew. Can I ask any of you, do you think that there's a chance that Saw is, is dropped for Bentley, that he's on the bench? I wouldn't say this week. I think if it's going to happen, it would be like against Arsenal in the last game of the year. I don't know. I think that's the type of one that talks to how he sees the team lining up next year. That's a good point. That if he's got a feeling that we're safe based on that Crystal Palace result, if there is a time where you could legitimately drop Saar, I think it was after losing 6-0 and being culpable for uh, more than one of the goals. So I, I could see it happening. I, I don't think Bentley's the guy to, to be taking number one spot next season. That's my only reservation around it. I do think he's a genuine, probably perennial backup. But that's the type of move I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at seeing. And I, and I hope Saw stays in goal because, you know, despite what happened last week, uh, I do think that just, that's our best way moving forward. It's just it, when he, when he, when the ball's at his feet, I get scared. And that's never really good when scared. you're trying to play out of the bag. <laughs> and that one where the ball got taken from Matthias, I mean, that was, I don't know what Saw was doing, giving him the ball there with two guys on him like that. So that was unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunate is definitely the way to go. All right, Alex, what we got for no stupid questions? All right, we've got a lot. We'll get through these. We've got some really good ones, and we'll kick it off with a uh, trio of uh, questions or a couple of questions from uh, Michael Moser. Um, so let's start with uh, how do you guys feel about J.J. Watt buying a minority stake in Burnley, who is uh, headed to the Premier League and clinched and won the championship this year? Obviously, that's, you know, us being in Houston, me and Paul, JJ's got, you know, a special part of our heart. Uh, I mean, it's a smart investment for him. I would guess it's only like 5% of the team. It's something small because as much money as he made, he didn't make that much money. So I would guess it's a small part, but um, smart by Burnley as well. I wonder if they try and capitalize that by bringing in a U.S. person again. So. They're, they're, uh, this has probably got a lot to do with their ownership as well, because that's at least majority US owned now. So I think it's quite, it is quite a savvy move. You've got the capitalize on the, the Wrexham effect or the uh, mm. Michael B. Jordan element. I thought the the press that they did around it was really good, like the video they put together with the announcement. That was that was pretty awesome. It was in, in good spirits, and even he said himself, "I haven't got that type of money to to buy a team, but I'm going to be emotionally invested." But it's just funny that you go from, I suppose that's you, you can if you're at that stature that you can flip flop between rooting for Chelsea one week and then just dropping some cash and buying part of a team the next. So if that's what floats his boat, then then good luck to him. <laughs> What do you think, Matthew? You, you, uh, what's your thought on JJ? Oh, as long as Burnley could somehow work in a good ass dudes into one of their songs, I would be all into it because that JJ Watt speech he made was fantastic. So if uh, that if they work that into a song, I'd be all for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
let's get to some of these other ones. Um, and we'll uh, we'll touch on some stuff that Michael Moser had maybe in the future because uh, we kind of hit on some. Yeah, yeah, today. he has a couple really good ones. Um, but I know we're kind of the, the times picking up here, so we are going to do those at a later date. All right, from King Wolf eighty four on Twitter as soccer and air quotes fans, you have chosen Wolves as a club to support in the UK. So as football fans, who should we support in the MLS and why? And he says, uh, as a bonus, it's the uh, the rain in the NWL, NWSL, by the way. An ex-Wolves women player is in the hot seat there. Uh, I believe they're affiliated with Olympic Lyon. So, uh, or Lyonnais. Uh, I don't know if we approve of that after the Zhao Gomez thing, but I guess there's a Wolves women connection. You got to, <laughs> whatever. Uh, who do you got for a, a recommendation for an MLS club for Wolves supporters actually in the Midlands, Josh? Well, I mean, obviously I deviate to Houston because I live out here. I will say this, um, and this has been rumors for a couple uh, years now, and I'll be curious since it looks like he's way on the way out at Wolves. If Raul comes to the U.S., there are talks about him coming to Houston because him and Hector Herrera are big buds. Houston trying to get rid of their number nine right now. So they could have a DP spot open. So, you know, I could make an early case there. And it's also like Wolves in the fact that um, kind of underachieving the last couple of years. <laughs> Paul? From from the UK coming over here, you've got that big, big draw of players either that, that have played or have got a that significant profile enough to stand out. You'd probably say like, uh, Beckham at LA Galaxy or, or Robbie Keane playing there yeah. for a while uh, or you might go on vacation to Orlando and teams there you might might pick up a jersey and catch a game there's not one I don't think really that you can go down the MLS teams and pick out one or two that have got like fan ownership or they're more of like the the blue collar team that, that d- doesn't seem to exist in this league at all. So I think that factors into it. So may, maybe it's down to uh, maybe it's down to probably that affiliation that you've got with your club back home. I will say there's a couple to consider. Cincinnati has your son uh, Mascara. Um, he's named to the team of the week for the second time this year. I'm sure Brian Donnelly would have a good case for uh, the Carolina squad. And Justin Buznado probably has a good case for his Nashville FC uh, team. So, um, yeah. Well, I'll let them take it up on Twitter. They can try and convince <laughs> King Wolf 84. And yeah, Matthew. I would I would put out for uh, Portland Timbers. I don't know a lot about the MLS, Ooh. but I would put out for Portland Timbers just because I think that the atmosphere at that at that stadium yeah. is maybe similar to what you might get uh, in the Premier League. And then also, it's uh, sort of cold and rainy there in Portland. I lived in Portland for ten years, so uh, I think that would be uh, a fun one. Some good uh, X Wolves with Colorado as well, with Jack Price and. Uh... Um, Connor Ronan as well. So there's some links oh, yeah. there. Neil oh, Embler yeah. on the coaching staff. He was a big, I was a big fan of his uh, mid 90s growing up in that Wolves team. So yeah, there, there, there's enough. I think you can uh, you can make a case for a good few teams, I suppose. 
Yeah, I got nothing to recommend. I've we've got uh, two teams, and one is owned by the City Group, and the other one is part of the Red Bull conglomerate. Both are <laughs> yeah. uh, emblematic of what's wrong with the sport. Um, so just don't come to New York when you're looking for <laughs> for some MLS uh, clubs. Uh, speaking of the Wolves women, by the way, with the connection with the uh, the rain out in Seattle, shout out to the Wolves women podcast. They chimed in on no stupid questions and said, how good are Wolves women missing out on back-to-back league titles on goal difference? Impressive. Yeah, Their we'll, season uh, came to a close. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. have to get Danny on in these ne- next two, uh, two, three weeks before the end of the season to give his final summary of the, the Wolves women. So uh, we'll go into this in a little more depth in the show or two's time. Mm-hmm. Here is a great one from uh, last week's guest, Chris Fisher. Of famous fictional orphans, which would Fabio Silva be? Peter Pan, <laughs> Rapunzel, Oliver Twist, Mowgli, or is he Pinocchio and now he's become a real boy? I feel like this is easy for me. I'm going to let Matthew lead it off since, you know, he likes Fabio a lot. <laughs> I'm definitely going with Peter Pan on this one. Yeah, I just feel like he he he's a, the eternal kid who's who's never going to uh, grow up, unfortunately. But that that's who I'm going with. I'm going to say uh, Mowgli. Um, you know, it just seems like they sent him off to like, you know, it was one of those. Oh my God, got to get him out to save him. You know, and then he gets raised by what the wolves and yeah he's raised by wolves yeah yeah he's raised by wolves and it just seems like that he doesn't want to leave why the only reason he does leave is because of a lady so that's why i think it's uh mowgli and he's got the hair Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. mowgli just needs a nice sleeve tat to gain like 15 pounds of muscle (laughs) paul what do you think Seems you're talking hair. I'm going Rapunzel, <laughs> but the the tangled Rapunzel because she was a she's pretty much little little badass, you know. And I think Fabio's come on in 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 his game and uh, certainly his stature and everything. So I think he's uh, he fits that profile quite well. Does that mean Jeff? She is the horse um, in trying to get <laughs> Rapunzel back. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I'm not trying to show who. Uh, Mother Gothel is. Who could that be? be Sellers. Sellers is Mother Gothel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or Mendez. Mendez could be Mother Gothel. No, 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 no. Definitely Bruno Large. Bruno Large hated him, I think. So, yeah. (laughs) Bruno Large is Mother Gothel. Fabio, pull down your Um, okay, we'll wrap with a pair of questions from uh, Dan Wilkes. He says first, I love this one. If you were at the Brighton match, at what number goal would you have left or caught the early bus home? <laughs> I'm never one who leaves early, no matter the score. So I would have stayed through all six minutes of disasterness. Now, that said, I turned it off like after a couple minutes in the second half. So I'll be honest. Okay. I'd probably gone into the concourse at halftime, carried on drinking. Then probably when that sixth went in, I'd have left. <laughs> all's get the Matthew, are you sticking it out for all six goals? Yeah, you know, I have a tendency to to really to really stick it out even through the worst of it. So I think I would have for all uh, for all six. Yeah, we're massive. 
I've heard Brighton's a cool place. Uh, and I did see some people on Wolf's Twitter salvaging their day, sitting on the beach with a beer. Uh, and it was not long after the match uh, had finished. Maybe they left <laughs> to get there. I, I think I would have been in that. Um, <laughs> you would have been a halftime lever. Once they scored again at, in the second half, I think I would have been other writings on the wall for me. And I would quite literally be on the beach. Um, like the team <laughs> seems like they could be. Uh, all right. And then we'll finish with this. Uh, Dan also asked, as the World Cup started, finishing the season at 17th would have made all Wolves fans happy. But given our revived and improved form, would you still say that 17th is okay? It's, it's a great question. I still say yes, just because the goal at midseason, just number one priority was just stay up. So even though they have looked good and kind of you sit there and go, well, man, how how could it have been if we didn't have injuries, if we had had Lopetegui the whole year, would it have been different? But I think, yeah, just because of the situation we're in World Cup, I'm still satisfied with 17th. And then let's see next year. Got high hopes. Same. I'd have, I'd have snapped your hand off for that with the, the scenario that we're in and, and what we'd been through that first part of the season and I'm I'm still very much a, a big fan and I want him to have a proper preseason, mm-hmm. continue to add players that he wants to to craft his squad, let his backroom team get to work on on everything that goes into a full and proper preseason and let's see what he's made of next year. Yeah and I think I think because of the matches that we have left, I mean, I, you know, you'd love to get a win from Everton, but with Villa, you know, at Man U and at Arsenal, I think I would, uh, although it would be a little bit disappointing based on, based on, uh, you know, the, the rise that we kind of did make, but I would take it as long as I don't have to subscribe to the zone and watch, uh, you know, watch Wolves next year in the championship, I'd be okay. I'll say this. I definitely would have snatched your hand off if you would say with four games left to go, we're relatively safe. Like a bunch of crap would have to happen. I would be like, yes, I'll take it. Because I just didn't want to be sweating it coming into the Arsenal game. And I don't feel like we'll be in that spot. Yep. I don't think Arsenal will be in that spot either. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. That's uh, that's uh, it for No Stupid Questions. Thanks to all who wrote in every week. Um, we have a lot of fun with it. It's the best part of the show. You could ask us anything you want. Uh, at WLWPod is the Twitter handle for the podcast where you can write in there or email us at hello at wholelotofwolves.com. All right, Matthew, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they could, they could come out to Tutori and uh, I'll take them out <laughs> to the sand dunes and I'll show them some great uh, sushi. Uh, but I'm not on any uh, social media, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. Definitely connecting South Korea for the preseason tour. Well, you, you can use our social media for those purposes if you get a chance to go. <laughs> Definitely. And I will say that when I get back to the States for a visit, if it's during the season, I would love to come out for a watch party in Houston and meet all you guys and, and do that, fest, that would baby. definitely be something that yeah, that would definitely be something that I hope that I'm able to do. Paul, you're gonna play in Text Fest. You're gonna get the dates locked down like pretty soon after the schedule's released, right? Yeah, I think so. Now now we know 
the the benefits of of last one previously and planning it around the the fixtures here in terms of the other sports and ideal times to watch it i think we'll probably be shooting for a, a springtime event next season should be fun so that brings this week's episode to a close dear listener we're going to be back again same time same place next week it's going to be everything what went down on saturday with that midlands derby against the villa and then we're going to be looking forward to an away trip to old trafford to take on manchester united on the 13th so thanks for listening have a good week and as always up the mighty wolves (laughs) 